this area and preaching in this church for probably 30 years. They were preaching here two pastors before I got here. And then, of course, since I've been here, they've been coming regularly to preach for us and to us. And they've ministered to us from the pulpit, uh, but also in fellowship and in our home. And they have been a wonderful blessing to us for a long time. So I've always loved and appreciated both of them and Sister Linda. But this week, to me, for whatever reasons, and I don't know why, has just been a little different. Um, I told the church, I think it was yesterday or last night, that, that she just is absolutely a treasure, and she is. But I, I thought today, I, I was praying for her, and I, I just said, Lord, she's an angel. Bless her tonight and tomorrow and the remainder of this meeting and any time she preaches, which I'll have to ask her to find out when that's going to be. Somebody said, when does, what's the schedule? I said, well, Sister Linda's going to preach when she takes a notion to preach. And Brother Roger and I are going to say, yes, ma'am, and just kind of go with it, just kind of go with it. So, <laughs> but I do mean that sincerely. I love both of you and appreciate you so much. And then uh, Brother Roger and Sister Joan, we're just so glad to have them with us. And I tell you, I told him, I said, man, the other morning, I said, you about preached your hair down. I'm telling you, I, he almost preached me to heaven. It was good. Now, I don't know if that's the best message he's ever preached, but I believe it's the best I've ever heard. And it could have just been what it done for me. And I'm telling you, that man of God preached. And then the Nesbitt family have, have just so, been so wonderful this week. And they've come to us uh, going through a very hard, a very difficult time. But they've not failed to stand on this platform and pour themselves out completely to us in ministry and in song. And they started, they opened with a song this morning or sang a song this morning that I've asked them to open up with tonight. And the song just about done me in before we ever... Uh, before we ever got going good, and I don't hardly ever do this, but I just, when they got through, I said, I tell you what, just sing that whole song again. Amen. And they sang it again. But it blessed me, and I want them to open with that tonight. But before they do, I want you to stand this evening. So good to see you with us in the house of the Lord tonight. Good to have Brother and Sister Hal with us, and Brother and Sister Harridge is with us tonight. Glad to have them. Brother Driscoll, Sister Hannah is back with us this evening. Amen. Do I have any other pastors? Brother Timmy's with us tonight. Brother Thornton, Brother and Sister Bowling are with us tonight. We're glad to have them. Amen. And wherever you're from, we just are so glad to have you with us tonight. And, and uh, our brother Gerald over here and his wife, I'm terrible with names, but they drove, I think, 1,200 miles one way to get to this meeting, and they're going to be going back tomorrow, tomorrow morning. And we appreciate them so much. Let me tell you something, church, before we get started. You never know. When somebody kneels in an altar, you see them praying and weeping, you never know what they're going through or what they've been through and the depth of their desperate need. Amen. So when we come into a, a place like this on a night like this, we have to have an atmosphere that's conducive to a move of God. I'm telling you, I pray this. When I come to the house of God, I pray, God, don't let me fail you. Don't let me fail the church. Don't let me be a hindrance in anything that you've designed to do tonight. But let me be a channel. Let me be a tributary that you can flow through. Let me contribute to what's necessary to see you move in a mighty way. And as we open this service tonight, I want you to lift your hand toward heaven and pray that prayer. Oh, God, flow through me in this house tonight. Minister to my life and to others as you would. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you this evening. We thank you, Lord, for the awesome privilege to be in this house. Oh, God, and to be a part of this conference. 
We thank you, Lord, for all that we've received in the word and in song and in preaching and in the worship. And tonight, I pray, God, for me, help me, Lord, to contribute, Lord, to add that that's necessary, that necessary component that that's needed, oh, God, oh, for you to move unrestricted, unrestrained in this house. Oh, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I prayed and I got from the depth of my soul, have your holy way tonight. Oh, God, in all that's sang, all that's said, and all that's done, in Jesus' wonderful name, give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. He's worthy. He's worthy of praise. the glory of Jehovah and Paul preached that all was lost save knowing Christ oh little John said he is precious while he on his bosom so for a moment, may I humbly testify. Oh, did I mention that I love him and how I worship and adore him when I can see no How many songs can be sung about God's Son? Oh, there are not enough words, enough notes, enough music to tell the story of all. Oh! 
you give him a praise in this house. Glory. Oh, I do love him tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I love him. But before I loved him, he loved me. Amen. As Brother Bobby plays, amen. Turn around, shake somebody's hand. Tell him you're glad to see him. Let's make our way forward to the choir tonight. Let's worship the Lord in song. Let's give it all we've got tonight. Page 46 in the hymnal, give a shout. Well, there are many things I'd like to be as maternity I pursue. 
give him a praise in this house. Hallelujah. Rather be the old time. Page 178. Your bells are ringing in my happy soul today. For I have started in this good old gospel way. Jesus has come into my heart and said, stay. Well, hallelujah, I'm going home. Well, hallelujah, soon I'm going home. I'm going home. Never more to wrong. Well, I am not complaining. Every day I'm gaining. Hallelujah, I'm going home. Beautiful. 
Hallelujah. I'm going home. Amen. How many is ready to get out of here? Praise the Lord. Any day now, the old song said, the Lord is coming. Amen. I'm looking. I'm listening. I'm ready to go. But while I'm here, amen, I got work to do. We got things to get done. Amen. We have, we have God's business, and that's what we're gathered for this week. The preaching has been wonderful. The singing has ministered to us. It's been a wonderful time of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. But we understand that we've gathered for more than to be refreshed, revived, restored, and blessed. And we've been all of that and then some. We've also come together to uh, commit together jointly to taking our part and doing what God has called us to do. To finish the Great Commission in the power of Pentecost. I believe you and I are that generation That'll see the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, work while it's day. Night comes when no man can work. You know, it amazes me when I talk to different pastors and different evangelists or different uh, church members from different places who have no concept or idea that God has called them as he has called the church. And they're a part of that church. Amen. That God hadn't just called some. God hadn't just called a few. But the mandate rests upon the Pentecostal church to reach this world with the gospel of Christ. That doesn't mean everyone's going to buy a ticket, get on a plane, and fly. Doesn't mean everybody's going to move to the foreign mission field. But we're going to pray with a fervent heart for missions. Your prayer list is not complete if there's not a city or a nation on it somewhere here and beyond our borders. We're praying for men and women and for souls around this world. We've got to pray with a burden for missions. We've got to give. Amen. A lot of churches will have their little, you know, $10 monthly uh, gift they'll send to headquarters or whatever they might send to missions and say, well, I'm, I'm doing my part. No, you're not. Amen. 70,000 people, between 50 and 70,000 people die every single day, every single day who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, this is already Thursday. That, that's uh. 350,000 people, if my math is right, I should never do this because I'm terrible at things on the fly. Amen. But every day you and I have gathered in this meeting, that many people have died lost without hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we've been called to reach our generation with the gospel. The first generation did it. The first generation church reached their generation. 
amen, without a printing press, an airplane, an internet, a telephone, amen, they just had the Holy Ghost and the passion and the burden and the understanding that that's what they were called to do. And they said yes to God. And they spread this gospel around their world. And it's come to us to do that as well. If you haven't turned in your missions pledges already, I ask that you do that uh, tonight and tomorrow or by Sunday. If you've taken them home and you're visiting with us and you won't be back, we want you to mail that in. Now, these pledges, uh, these are not bills. These are faith promises, faith pledges that as the Lord enables you. So if you pledge something on this pledge sheet and it doesn't come in next month, something happens. Nobody's going to call you on the phone or send you an email or a Facebook message and say, where's that $25? Amen. No, no, not going to do that. It's going to be between you and the Lord. Now, in, in the pew, we simplified this for those of you who haven't been here. Rather than try to put all this on the pledge sheet, we didn't want to be like you were taking a test when you came to church. Amen. So uh, it explains everything that we're doing in missions. Now, the other night we talked about the Caribbean. Last night we talked about Israel. And tonight we'll, we'll highlight our mission in Pakistan. We have with us this evening uh, Brother Emmanuel Aslam from Lahore, Pakistan. I'll be going later on to be with him. Uh, over there, we're going to meet some of the slaves that we've freed, uh, churches that we've helped to build, uh, preach a conference, leadership conference, as well as a, a crusade, evangelistic crusade. We've been supporting Brother Emmanuel this last year at $200 a month from the local church and have been a part, uh, partnering with him at the great work that he has been doing throughout Pakistan. And he has been doing a wonderful job uh, working for the Lord and representing this partnership in preaching crusades. Uh, he, he gives me regular reports. Uh, hundreds have been born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, brought into the kingdom of God. There have been many who have been healed in their bodies. And I don't even, I've lost count of all the schools of Christ that uh, he has been running over there and, and throughout Asia for us. And so we appreciate the great work that he is doing. But then also you and I have partnered together, uh, and over the last two years, we've freed about 200 slaves from Islamic uh, debt slavery or bonded slavery in Pakistan. Now, under that Islamic law, uh, if you owe someone a debt, they own you. When I say they own you, I don't mean they employ you. I mean they own you. They own you like a cow. They own you like a horse, like a dog. You are their property under Islamic law. They can treat you any way they want to, uh, even though human rights organizations have been in uh, to those places and they have tried to put limitations or restrictions on how they're, uh, uh, on the mistreatment of humans. Uh, it, it hasn't done. The only thing that's changed is the fact that they don't keep them in chains and lock them up in chains with chains on their hands and ankles to keep them there overnight until they let them go back to work the next morning. That changed somewhere around the 90s with the attention of the world uh, coming to the situation. But still, they own them. It, they can't get out of it. It's against, against the law for them to try to leave. And if they tried to leave, but they still owe the debt, then, then the, the police, uh, the, the law will get them, bring them back, and they'll be punished. One Christian couple was, uh, they, they ran, they caught them, they brought them back, and they accused them of blasphemy and burned them alive in front of the others to discourage anybody else from trying to run away. Uh, children, teens, wives, sisters are abused in terrible ways. Uh, husbands, you name it, they own them so they do pretty well what they want with them. Now, how do they own them? Well, they're very poor in that region. So they, they allow them to come to work, come on to, to labor in the brick kiln. Well, what they charge them for room 
and the little bit of uh, the, 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 the little quarters that they live in and, and the food that they eat is more than the wage they make. So their debt continually grows. And it doesn't have to be a lot of debt. If it's a debt, they, they own them. But according to that same Islamic law that said if they owe a debt, they own them. They're owned by somebody. The same law, Brother Roger says, if somebody comes and pays their slave debt. Oh, my. And you know what they call it? Oh, Jesus, help me not to preach here. Amen. It's their redemption price. Now, isn't that something? Amen. Does anybody know anything about redemption? Uh, does anybody know anything about somebody paying our redemption and offering our price when we were on the slave block of sin and in bondage to sin and somebody paid for our redemption with the price of his own blood? Well, that's what it is. You redeem them. You, 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 you pay the redemption price. Brother Emanuel and some of our other pastors are working in those, uh, in those areas and they're witnessing and they're praying for them and they're connecting with those families and then they show up. Uh, they show up with funds from you and I together uh, and from these partnerships and, and they offer them the redemption price. And they have to let them go for the most part. I think we've only had one time they've refused, but they, they have to let them go. And what I love about it is when Brother Emmanuel sends me back the redemption papers. And the redemption papers have their name and how long they've been in slavery. Some of them 10 years, some 20 years, some 40 years. We've set them free from slavery after having been in slavery that long. There have been children born and raised in slavery, have never known anything else. But we come through and we set them free. Or God does through us. And then we have children that were born in slavery now that may be three years old, five years old. We set them free and they'll never have to know what it's like to be abused by some owner because we set them free. Amen. So it, it's one of the most wonderful works that I've ever been blessed to be a part of. And all of this was made possible through the connection that we made with this man of God. Brother Emmanuel, would you just stand Amen. The connection that we made with this man of God in Pakistan. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise for him. I was introduced to him and we began to work together on schools in Asia. And I, I never will forget, there, there was a week uh, that I, I went to Jamaica on a mission trip. I was there that week because it was necessary for me to be there. I had to be there. God led me to that meeting that week. And while I was there in that meeting, it was then that the stage was set and everything fell into place for this wonderful and effectual door that the Lord opened for us in the Caribbean, but it was also there. I remember I was sitting on that hotel bed when you messaged me and said, Brother, let me talk to you about slavery in Pakistan. I said, Tell me about it. And we began to talk, and within just a few short weeks, amen, we put that out there, and we began to set those slaves free. And so that is a part of what we're doing when you give to the missions and the McClinney Church of God. Now, everything involves the school of Christ. So anytime you give to anything, you're supporting the school of Christ. But this all comes in as a part of that ministry as well. Now, on the pledge sheet, if you give to McClinney Church of God missions, it goes to these various missions as there is a need. And we'll do this on a monthly basis. And now some things we send to quarterly because that's the best and most efficient way uh, to do that. Uh, but if on the pledge sheet, you can give to general missions, which goes to support it all, or you can specify if God lays the Caribbean on your heart, if God lays missions to Israel on your heart, or if God lays slave ministry in Pakistan on your heart, you can write that down on the pledge sheet and turn that in, and then you can just send to that 
and that's where it will go. But it's time now to start sending these pledges in. We've been giving these out and made them available. And Sister Cindy said tonight we haven't had many to come back. But this is the time when they usually do. So if you haven't gotten one, ushers, if you'll come on around. Uh, if you haven't gotten one yet, I don't know if they're in the pews or if the ushers have them tonight. I think they're in the pew. Uh, but take one, fill that out, and turn that in. Or if you want to take it home and pray about it, and then come back and turn that in, we certainly welcome you to do that. Amen. It's a good day to be alive, isn't it? Amen. And to know that you are called and trusted and have the opportunity to make a difference in this world you live in for God's greater glory. Amen. Brother Buddy, would you stand and ask the Lord to bless the offering tonight? Amen. Worship as you give tonight. If you'll come on around tonight. Oh, I believe yes, I believe I'm safe and secure. with the Nesbitt families they've seen tonight.
It's hard to look back over your life and see things that have happened and know that all of it was good for your good. 
amen, purposeful. Amen, I've been thinking on some things, Brother Roger, of a handful of purpose scattered in my life. But whenever I look over my life and I see what God did for me, amen, I was given up for adoption at 10 weeks, well, at birth, but went into my parents' um, home at 10 weeks old. And they raised me, adopted me. And I've had some things that have went on in my life that, you know, people just would not look at and say, well, that was good. I can't tell you that it felt good. But I can look back over my life now and I can see there was purpose. I said there was purpose, Brother Howell, for everything that I had to go through. Amen. It made me who I am today. Amen. There's somebody that said one time, says it can make you bitter or it can make you better. The choice is ours, church. Amen. Everything you go through, amen, Brother Michael, everything we go through, it can make us bitter or it can make us better. I don't know about you, but I want it to make me better. Amen. He ain't never done me nothing but good. Amen. Worship the Lord with us. Yeah. 
to Jesus, and I took him as my Savior. I cast my lots with the chosen few, started out toward heaven. But soon I was forsaken, all my friends left one by one. But the good Lord's walked beside me, he ain't never done me wrong. He feeds me when I'm hungry, and he cheers me when I'm Come on, give God praise in this house tonight. Hallelujah. Oh, God's a good God. Amen. It's getting good in here. I look back at my little grandbaby. She's going. Grandbaby having church tonight. Amen. Brother Roger, come on around and obey the Lord tonight. Don't forget about our day service tomorrow. Unless Sister Baltman says different, Brother Roger be preaching in the morning tonight. Amen. Isn't it my Lord? They could have kept on singing that tonight. Thank the Lord. I appreciate that wonderful singing. Isn't it good to be able to be in a place you can feel the presence of the Lord? Isn't it good to be able to gather when you know with the saints of God, you know what you're singing about? You know why your hand's lifted? You know what you're feeling inside? Amen. Isn't that wonderful? There's folks don't understand why we get, gather in the church and do and act like we act. But if they ever get a hold of it, they sure will. Amen. Ah. What a wonderful spirit. I appreciate forever redeemed. Oh, my, we go back a long way. When they uh, first started out singing a little bit, people thought they were from my church. And I said, don't tell them different. But uh, they're from Sister Carmen's church, but uh, where Sister Carmen sings with them too. But uh, wonderful, wonderful. Any guy said last, uh, the other night when I preached, isn't it good to be able to, to hear singers sing that know what they're singing about? Amen. It was special you could sing Amazing Grace, but he didn't know much about that grace that was amazing. Amen. And a lot of folks can sing about it, 
But aren't you glad you know about it? Amen. My, the presence of the Lord. I know it's getting late, but I, I appreciate this opportunity to Brother Shannon, Sister Jiminy, and all the church here at McLean Church of God for this opportunity to be back with you. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Sister Linda had preached us happy this morning. Good Lord. Uh, somebody said, I better step up my game tonight. I said, I'm glad I, I, I put a stipulation the first night I preached. This isn't a competition. If it was, I'd quit. But uh, I appreciate how the Lord used her. The Lord has just wonderfully blessed her this week. And I've been honored to, uh, you know, I, you've heard me say it. I'm her pastor. Uh, but not often I get to have this honor to preach with her. But it has been a honor. Matter of fact, I told her today, I said, well, I'm used to calling you right before I go to preach somewhere. And I said, you're going to be there. And so we leaned over and, and I talked to her a minute. And I, but I know, I do, if you got your Bibles tonight, turn to Second Samuel chapter 8. I want to read what the Lord I feel and know he has spoke to me to preach tonight. I, I, I told, um, I was telling Sister Linda, it seemed like the Lord's given me a little rough messages to preach. And she's had the good ones to preach. But uh, I think Aaron told me, yes, but he said, well, uh, the way to look at that is you're getting them ready for Sister Linda to preach them happy to shout. And, uh, my, we had a time around here this morning, enjoyed it. So whatever the Lord wants, that's what I want. But I do want to say to Brother Emmanuel, I've enjoyed it, hadn't got, uh, got, got to bring him to church, and uh, our motel room's right beside each other, but we've not spent a whole lot of time, but I just love this brother. Uh, if you ever get around him, I, I've told our church when I got to meet him last year, uh, it, it's just like sitting with you to feel the presence of God. And isn't it good to know what you support is going to good causes? And uh, what Brother Shannon's doing here is not for his kingdom, not building up his work. It's to build the kingdom of God's work. Amen. Uh, you know, there's some you can't tag along with because you never know what's going to go on with the money or the funds of, of, that you send. But I promise you, I know from giving here that it goes to the right causes. And I appreciate what they do here. Let me say this. We're too close to the end to let up now. I, I believe I said the other night, whenever you read about and you look at Ecclesiastes, it's there you find in chapter 4. Some would never sow because of the wind. They didn't sow because of the conditions. They said, well, it's too bad. Don't know if anything will happen. You can't look at the conditions. It's now time to do a work for God. If any time we need to start working, it's now for the, uh, the kingdom of God. We got too many souls. I, when he mentioned about how many's dying, lost, I thought, isn't that pitiful that they die without a, without a God in their heart? Amen. My God, I'll say this and I'll have you stand to the reading of God's word. I used to street preach quite a bit. And when I first went, I've been at my church now 25 years. When I went there for the howl, I remember I was on the street preaching right above our church. And it was a, a little club they called Insomnia. And on a, a thir Friday night was the high schoolers. And they would go up there and I'd run up there and preach and pass out tracts. And used to have my folks would come in. They'd stand way off, scared of everybody. <laughs> And uh, I'd stand right there among them and just preach right in the crowd. They'd usually get them out the outside of the club, and they would uh, do it. I had seen girls kiss girls, boys kiss boys. I'd, I'd preach. Man, the man that owned that club, he hated me. He was a big old feller, about like Brother Charles is, big old man. And uh, he, he would come up and said, well, I, I may have said this before to some of the churches. The first time I preached there, this, I preached there quite a bit, he'd come and said, I'm an atheist. I said, well, that's okay. You need God, too. 
And I preached. I signed skateboards that night. I done what I preached, but I go. I went back the next Friday night. The next Friday night, I, I gave him a track. I get, passed out tracks. He got one of them from one I'd given it to. He come and I've got a long nose, and he took it, took that track, and hit me with, in the nose. He said, "I want you to know I'm a Catholic." I thought, "Man, I'm doing good." I said, "Next Friday night, maybe you'll be a Pentecost." Amen. I refuse to be intimidated by this world. I preached in foreign countries when the Muslims threw rocks over at my feet. Uh, they could have hit me if they wanted to, but trying to put a little intimidation there. But I didn't get in this thing to be intimidated by hell. I got in this thing to let somebody know Jesus Christ is the answer. So it's not about a man. It's not about a person, not about a church. It's all about the kingdom of God, and I appreciate that. And again, thanks for all you've done for stand tonight to the reading of God's word. Very familiar reading. Uh, you know, it's always easy to go to that chapter 9. And how many times I've used it from youth camps to, uh, to other places, I've used this chapter 9 when you talk about Mephibosheth and the goodness of God. But reading the Bible through, I'm trying to do the four-month reading through this year, and I just scanned across ears, and I know somebody's preached it. A lot of people's probably preached it, I guess. But the Lord just laid this in my spirit. And, and as I get started, I want to say thanks for all the pastors, all the people that's come out to this missions conference. I appreciate you coming. And uh, if you're disappointed that I'm preaching at night, come back Friday night. Sister Linda's preaching. Amen. So I, I do appreciate this honor. But look in these verses. And, and again, I want to say this on the onset. If I, if I mispronounce one of the names in this first verse, just forgive me. You probably can't say it either. Uh, I, I remember when I finally learned how to say Mephibosheth. I went around preaching it because I could say his name. Amen. And so if, sometimes I used to say things, and my wife, uh, bless her heart, uh, she just got tired of correcting me. Uh, I listened to Alexander, Alexander Scobie today, read it to me, so I'd know how to pronounce it. When I was standing there, I kept looking at it. I thought, I'm going to annihilate it, but I'm going to preach tonight. What I feel to preach tonight into our hearts is this right here. I do wish, and I prayed, I, honestly, God knows my heart. I got up different times and prayed this since I've been here. I told Sister Lynn today I, I didn't come to be ugly. I didn't come to be rude. I know it seemed like the first night I preached pretty forward and uh, straight to what I felt we needed to hear. And I feel tonight God's talking to me again. Let me tell us something. This isn't a game. We're in a war. We're in the battle of our life. And the devil wants to do all he can to hinder us, and he don't care how he does it, what method he uses to do it. All he wants to do is keep us out of going to heaven. That's his main objective. If he could do it here at the end of life, wouldn't that be sad to know at the end of life? Amen. And I mean, I believe the trump's about to sound personally. I believe the Lord is about to come back. I'd hate to know that in these closing days, I give up on what God had let me feel all these years. It's it's been too wonderful. It's been too wonderful. But it says this here, David, it, it, it's reminded us here, David, it says, and after this it came to pass that David smote the Philistines and subdued them. And David took Megteg, uh, I know I'm not saying the name just proper, out of the hand of the Philistines. And he smote Moab and measured them with a line, casting them down to the ground, even two lines measured he to put to death. 
Now, uh, again, I, 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 I never want to violate Scripture, uh, but Matthew Henry's about the only one I could find anything from. But I feel, and Paul, I believe I'm going to be able to prove it in Scripture. You can see three lines here that David was drawing. Uh, the first line, he it said the two lines he measured to put to death, and with one full line. Uh, he kept alive so that more, the Moabites became David's servants and brought gifts. Uh, you may be seated tonight. May God anoint us in your ears to hear and results in these altars, altars tonight. When you look at this, uh, and the more I studied this and prayed over this, uh, just recently I, I ministered at my church uh, from this passage of Scripture, and it come to me when you look at this. Uh, you, 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 you remember there's a lot of things that's been said. Uh, you, you can say just get rid of it. You've got to do away with it. You've got to annihilate it. I don't know. I've got four titles written across the front of my piece of paper. I don't care what you title this. I'm not much of giving good titles. But what I feel to preach tonight is there's some things that must die in our life if we're going to succeed with God. We've got to put them to death. We can't keep letting them build up and hinder our walk with God. And here we find this scripture. When I was thinking about this and just praying over it, I started thinking about just writing this. Have you ever had somebody walk up to you and ask you to pray? And they said, pray for my situation because it's either life or death for what I'm facing. That's a pretty crucial prayer when somebody asks you to pray. As a pastor, as I stand here this evening, I think about the many people, uh, not only from my church, but folks that's asked me to pray that's in the hospital. I sent a text out to Angie Vaughn today, a good friend of mine in Alabama. When my daddy used to pastor. Her husband just had brain uh, surgery. Uh, they weren't able to get it all, and they said it, it is term, uh, uh, a terminal cancer in his brain. I thought about, you know what? I never asked Angie Vaughn when I've texted or called her. I never asked her what the scar was going to look like, how bitter or bad it was going to be when they got done with him. But what I asked her was this, is he going to live? You know what I wish the church would understand? That God wants us to live and survive in this old world. Amen. But my, I got to thinking about how David knew, and I'm about to preach these verses but when you look at these verses David knew I've got to kill some things and there's some things I can let live in our walk with God we've got to understand that there's things in life that we must kill out of our life that it won't hinder our walk with God I've watched too many folks and don't want to be repetitious from Tuesday night but I've watched too many folks allow little things to hinder them that started off small things and before long they grew up and become big hindrance in their life and before long it destroyed them but I've come to preach to the church there's sometimes that we must amen kill things in our life that's hindering the walk of God church I'm going to repeat it a lot tonight I've come too far to loop back I've grabbed hold of that plow and found no place to look back again I've done too many crossed too many rivers amen soon seen too many demons cast out seen too many miracles seen too many souls saved Amen to let the devil stop me now. So I made up my mind. If there's anything that seems to be developing in my life, God, let me kill it. Glory. 
I thought about a good friend of mine that I, I've worked with him 30 years and, and uh, never could get him in church. I have recently, Sister Linda can tell you, I worked with a lady 30 years and now her and her husband's coming. It's good. After uh, it's Now that I retired, having some come to our church where I worked for all them years. But I, I, a good friend of mine was in the hospital. I went to see him and I told him, called him by name. I said, now I've worked with you all these years. Every Monday we sat at my desk and he would always listen to the thoughts of Sunday morning and I would try to win him. He's never been saved as yet that I know of and I, he may be watching. I don't know but one thing I can say, I went to see him at the hospital. They found cancer in him. He had called and said, Roger, would you pray for me? I said, sure and I called his name and I prayed over the phone uh, and, and, and his, his condition was so bad they knew it was going to be terminal. Uh, he called me a few days after the fact and said, Roger, it's been a miracle. He said, they took part of my lung out, half of one of my lungs. He said, but what they found out, they got it all. I have no more cancer. That's a good miracle. Amen. I thought about it. I didn't ask him, though he showed me his scar. I didn't care about seeing his scar. My main goal was this, that he could live, that God could speak to that heart. Here's what I want to tell us. Amen. This isn't a game. Hell's out for keeps. He don't care what he does to destroy your life as long as he does it. But I've come tonight to tell that devil we're going to put to death some things that's hindering the walk of God. We're going to kill out things that seem to be hindering the church. I refuse to let the devil have victory. I refuse to let the devil have part and portion of the house of God. I've come to make up my mind. No matter what comes, hell or high waters, amen, lion's dens or fiery furnaces, I've said, God, I want to give it all to you and make it all the way home. Glory, this is a life and death thing. Amen, you think about it. Oh, my God. I preached, seem like so many funerals here lately. I told him recently, just the other, just a few days back, at a funeral, not to be ugly or crude, but you have to be honest. I said, I'm going to be honest. Just because people die don't mean they go to heaven. Amen, there is a hell. Recently, I was honored to preach a, a community funeral. The young lady had, had overdosed, and I was asked to preach it. It was packed uh, with folks that may not have, have had good reputations. Uh, I took a dollar bill to that funeral. I got in front of that casket, and I said, this dollar bill represents your life. Uh, you can spend it wisely, or you can spend it foolish. Uh, the same with the house of God. Uh, cannot tell us. Uh, amen. Not only is in that world that the devil fights us, uh, but in the house of God. Uh, that devil comes in uh, with little attitudes uh, and little spirits uh, and little emphasis of hell that try to hinder our, our spirits and walk with God. I've come to serve novice on that devil. We're going to put you to death tonight. The church is going to thrive and it's going to live. I'm not going under. I'm going over. I'm not giving up. I've given it all to God. I refuse to die here. I refuse to give it all up here. I made up my mind. I'm going all the way with God till God calls me home. Amen. few years back I was asked to serve on a jury but it so happened I was also supposed to preach a youth camp it's probably been about 20 years or so back so I went there and I asked uh, I was told to go see Judge Pope and if, if I could I could get out of the, the jury trial uh, the trial as a juror 
And so I went to see Judge Pope. He said, Roger, he said, Preacher, if I can tell you, when you get in there before the defense lawyers and, and the state attorneys, he said, you tell them that you believe in capital punishment and you wouldn't put them to death. Here was a young man, 17 years old, wanted to join a gang. So he took a 30-30 rifle, walked in about a 10 miles from my house, uh, a convenience store. He took that 30-30 rifle and put it in that woman's mouth and pulled that trigger. And in the pictures we had to look at was her brains were scattered all over that counter and all over the walls along behind that in front of that counter. That was a horrible thing. When I thought about the tragedy, I went to that jury and they wouldn't let me off because they found that I was going to preach youth camps and thought I'd have sympathy on a 17-year-old boy. I did take care for his soul, but my inward feelings as a human, I wanted him to die. But then when it come down to me to sit in that jury room and I realized his life laid in my hands. Amen. They was going to put him to death at, the, at what then was the death chambers of Jackson State. Amen. I thought about this man's life's in my hands. Can I tell some of you it's not a game. Amen. This is a life and death situation. Some of us are toying around with things that's hindering our walk with God. We're playing games as though this is God's a yo-yo and he's a big man upstairs. He's bigger than that. He ain't JC and he's not just a big man upstairs. He's God Almighty and he desires amen for a heart to be right amen can I tell you when you look at a mama that begs you to have mercy on her son you realize amen it's life and death is in your hands I've come tonight to tell somebody don't give up on serving God now don't let them little things of life amen matter of fact it is in Song of Solomon chapter 2 verse 15 says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine little by little they scratch at the root they need a way to that vine produces nothing. I want to tell them little foxes tonight, you're coming out. Amen. You're not going to destroy the church. Amen. God's going to have a church that's going to go on with him. My God, I've come to preach. Amen. Some things must be put to death. And I want to see God raise up a church that's on fire for God. Amen. Glory. Life and death was in my hands. A mama standing on that court I was standing up there on that judge on the side, Brother Shannon, she said, please have mercy on my son. Now, I personally believe in restitution. I, I believe that a person ought to play for their, pay for their wrong. And so you may disagree with me, and after church we can debate about that. I believe I can scripturally prove that I'm right. Amen. He, uh, he had a right to pay the penalty he paid. But I've realized it's easy to read a paper and then decide if somebody needs to live or die. But when you're facing it, it's a bigger decision then. Amen. Here tonight, I want to tell some of you there's things that you're toying with. Should I let it continue or should I give it up? Amen. I'm going to name some things in a minute. God spoke to me over but if we're not careful, amen, we let them little things, we play with them. I can handle this. Oh, no, you can't handle it. After a little bit, it starts handling you. And before long, you find yourself in the clutches and captivity of that issue that you're fighting as I preach Tuesday night. But tonight, I believe God has sent me here with the providence of heaven. That is, David killed some things. We got to put some things to death that we can go for the glory and the providence of God in our life. Amen. Oh, we could go through history. 
Think about them slaves that was turned gladiators. Those that was killed in the ill repute of the society. I'll never forget being in Rome, Italy. Walking in that, uh, that Colosseum. Thinking about how many of my brothers in Christ had died, died here because of their faith. And you think I want to quit now? Brother Michael, how we've come too far to quit now. Dear God, you think about those sisters. We like to shout it over Polycarp being put on that, uh, on that stake and being burned. We want to shout about how he stood the test of time. But I want to tell some of us, we let some of the most petty things hinder our walk with God. But I pray tonight we'll shake ourselves, awake ourselves. I'm fixing to preach. Amen. I'm just trying to get us started that we can understand there is a God. Can you imagine? Amen. Everything hinges on a moment. Amen. Right now we're having a God moment and some of you is going to make decisions tonight but I want to know that I make them right oh isn't that so important right now we're having a church moment and there's going to be decisions do I kill it or do I let it live do I slay it or do I let it live you got to make up your mind are you growing with it are you being hindered by it you got to decide God do I kill it or do I let it live in my life David 27 commentaries you preachers, please tell me after church, Gerald, my brother-in-law, I mean, and some of the others in there's gurus of scripture. St. Estes was here Monday night, I should ask him. None, none really knew why David killed some or what the purpose was. Some commentaries said it was because of their size. Some said it's because of their age. Some said it was because of their ability. But one thing you find here is that David smote the Moab. You remember who Moab was? Moab was a descendant of Lot from an incest, incest relationship. In Genesis 19, when you start reading that story, it's a sad story. Amen. You know what? If we're not careful, we go partial the way with God and find out things hinder our walk. God had sent angels into that town to tell Lot, when you leave, you go to that mountain. Lot bargained with the angels and said, no, don't make me do that. Let me go into that city. It cost him. It cost him his wife. It cost him two children that wind up having incest relationships with him. Now Moab's been born. Moab's always been a thorn in Israel's flesh. To you and I spiritually, the Moab is a false religious system that's come along. I'll never forget when the neo-Pentecostals come along. It was name it, claim it, grab, you, uh, uh, grab it, grab it. It, a situation. If you wanted a car, pray for it. You wanted money, pray for it. The Pentecostal church got intimidated by it. I refuse to be intimidated by something that's false, that's not real. Amen. That Moab always affected them religiously. Then militarily, there's battles you may fight, but David knew I gotta kill it right here. Amen. One day it'll grow up. It'll affect my home. It'll affect my children. It'll affect my church. It'll affect my soul. I'm not going to let it develop. I'm going to slay it right here that I can have victory in my soul. Amen. Where's Aaron at? Come here, Aaron. Amen. No, it's not youth camp, but let me just illustrate quickly. He, he, he took two lines. According to what I ran in the line to let some live. Now, Aaron's, Aaron's muscled up a little bit. Amen. He's, he's got a few muscles, but... If I looked at him and then looked at the pastor, and I had to decide which one of them's going to kill, well, I'm going to kill, you know, I don't tell you which one's dying. Brother Shannon, just go ahead and just, y'all just go ahead and mark his grave. Stand up, Brother Shannon. 
Amen. He's got arms about as big as mine. David knew. It may seem small right here. And I can handle it. I'm going to get ahead of myself real quick. Men, let me be honest with us. You can't handle it. Oh, God. We have to be careful how we let our eyes wander into things that's not of God. See, one click every now and then seems to be innocent. But after a little bit, the click controls us, and we can't stop it. I could have brought statistics tonight. What does it say? 78% read them today from Focus on the Fan brought them with me, but that was with a different thought and message. But, but I, I looked at them today, not thinking I may have preached that thought. But it said 78% of every pastor that they surveyed had come and said, Pastors, I'm not talking about you people on the pew. And so if we're being affected, how much more is that pew being affected? But said every now and then they was said maybe once a month. Some said it become twice a month. Some said it become weekly. Here's what David knew. Amen. Right now, I might could handle this. I still may have a little Marine Corps in me. I might could handle Aaron, but when I look at this man here, when he grows up, he's going to be bigger than me. I can't control him. There's some of you need to wake up. There's things in your life that's about to get control of you. Amen. I've come on a Thursday night with a passion and a heart of a pastor. Amen. Don't let it kill you. Shake your soul, child of God. Amen. Wake yourself up. It ain't worth going to hell over. Amen. And shake yourself now and realize that it's do or die. It's life or death. I refuse to let the devil have my soul now, but I want all of God and all of heaven that I can get in my life. Thank you, Brother Aaron. Amen. Oh, I made sure I highlighted this. You think about this. Lot bargained to go to that city. Let me go to Zor. He said, let me go to Zor. We understand, we understand what happened in his story. So I'm not going to rehearse it. But I put this down. It'd be better. Amen. I said, Genesis 19. It's better to respond to the mercy of God than the judgment of God. I'd written that down. I don't know who said it. But I'm going to take credit tonight. It'd be better to respond to the mercy of God than the judgment of God. Amen. I'll be honest with you. I believe we're too close to the end to just, just patty cake this thing. To preach it tickling ear messages. I wish to God that every redeemer would have made you shout tonight. Amen. That if I wasn't, I told, I told the Lord today. I said, now God, if I'm not to preach this message, you let the Spirit of God fall in that place in a mighty way. Well, it didn't. So I've come to tell somebody, David, true lines. He said, this is going to die and this is going to live. Amen. What I can't control, I'm going to put it under now. Can I tell us? Amen. Look at your home. I want to say this. Amen. You have to be careful. You might be able to watch some things that may not affect you but what's it doing to your children we have to be careful my God here's what I want to tell you I, mean, I tell people I don't have a television but I've got an internet and I've got a cell phone and I've got a computer it's more damning than a television and so I have to be careful you don't know what I do but God does I gotta be like David I gotta remember it's my soul even I can't wonder if brother Shannon's gonna find it out or sister Linda know what her pastor done I've got to say this line. It's got to die. I refuse to let it. My God, church, it ain't time to let the hell have us. It's time to let God have all of us tonight. Amen. Who's got to die? Anything that's going to hinder.
my completion of God's will in my life. Anything. Some things may hinder me, may not hinder you. But if it's going to hinder me, I've got to get rid of it. Uh, years ago, I was interim pastor filling in. Really, it was like a little pioneer work I was honored to have. And they had a preacher there, and he, he was real spunky. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm jumpy spunky, but he was spunky in his, in his message. He got up one night and preached that he thought people was wrong by drinking Coca-Colas. So after church, I said, brother, we can't have that now. I mean, if they want to drink that carbonated drink, there's no sin in it. If you feel like it's wrong for you, then you can't do it. Here's what I want to tell you. There may be things in my life that I can't do that you might be able to, Brother Shane. If it's going to hinder me, I can't partake of what you're partaking of. I've got to be bigger than that. I want to say this, the ministry's too important to me. I've got a wonderful wife sitting there, amen, that's sitting there beside my sister that I honor greatly and appreciate God putting her in my life, amen. But here's what I want to say, beyond my wife, I've got a God in heaven that's looking down at me when I preach, amen. He knows how many revivals I slip off to and have to preach, and I stay in them motel rooms. Can I tell us something, amen? God knows what I look at. God knows what I listen to. God knows what I'm doing. Amen. So I've got to reconcile. Amen. The son David was cruel. Why did you kill that baby? Why did you kill that man? Why did you slay that young lady? David said, I'll tell you why I did. Amen. They're about to grow up and destroy me. I refuse to let Moab have the church. They've wrestled with it long enough. I've come to take it back. Amen. Devil, you can't have us. We belong to God Almighty. We belong to the authority of Jesus Christ. Play with it. Sit in the game. I, just, just looking over this today, I thought just some things that you can't tolerate or handle becomes bigger than you. Lord, help us. Amen. So when I was studying this, I thought David drew some lines. It said two lines he measured to put to death. He said they got to die. Because if I let them grow up, I'll lose a handle on them that control me. Now, I appreciate anybody that does anything in our church. If you want to buy my choir song books, that's good. But you don't control what songs we sing. If you want to put money in that offering, I had one man tell me, brother. He said this right here. He said, you, your church, your small church can't handle my tithes. And I'm going to just be careful. It's on Facebook. I told him. I said, brother. Ain't about me. If I mess up with the money you give to God, I'll pay the price. You know what his problem was? It wasn't giving the money to the church. It was being hindered to hold on what he thought he couldn't turn loose of. See, I've come tonight to tell you David knew there's two lines in this Moab a bunch descendants that I'm not going to let live because I know their history. I don't have, I'm not going to get into all that. I preach too long anyway. But if you ever study out the, the Moabites, they was the one that always seemed to hinder, amen, the walk of Israel. Every time they got on their feet, they were right there to stop them, either religiously or either militarily. They always stumped their toe on them. So David said, not anymore. I'm going to kill these two lions, and I'm going to let them live. Amen, Brother Shannon, I'm glad that God at time examines us. You know what we call it in Pentecost? We call it sanctification. 
It's lost in Pentecost now. It used to be we got saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Amen. It is amazing now we get saved and we get the Holy Ghost. But David said, you better draw the lines. There's some things you got to separate from and live. God can live in you. God, help us to get back to a sanctified life. Amen. Can I tell us, I'm not against your Facebook and I'm not against your Instagram, but everybody just smiles on there isn't happy. Everybody looks like they're just having a jolly time isn't having a good time. Hell's eating away at their soul. Amen. So don't be deceived by a picture. I want to know that when I stand and I sing page 92, I know how to talk with Jesus. I'm glad when I pay, turn to page 94, I know I'm living in a new world. I'm glad I can step back to page 10 and I'm looking for the meeting in the air. I'm glad I can look at page 18. I'm looking for a city. I'm glad I can back up and I just want to know more about Jesus. I'm glad I can go to the front of it at day 300. I'm going to see the king. I refuse to let a Moabite into my walk. God shake us and awake us. God's soon to come. Amen. See, you've heard people say, I can't help but get mad because it's part of my DNA. Sanctify your temper. You've got to kill that, that habit. Dear Lord, any pastor knows the worst thing to happen is when you're about to preach. And they pull you outside and says, can I just talk to you? Dear Lord, I begged them. I said, can I just preach first? And then if they talked to me, you know what? They told me things that I knew I had in my notes. You know what the devil told me? Now say it. I told my wife, I said, they crippled me. But I went to that pulpit, and I lose my mind. I forget who's there. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Don't keep petting that habit. Kill it. Kill it. Amen. That spirit. Oh, every church has it. That spirit. Man, if you're having a, if, if it's raining, it should have been sun shining. If the sun's shining, it should have been raining. If we should if we shouted, we shouldn't have shouted. If we, oh my Lord, you can't please some people. Kill it. Brother Shannon, I like to have a spirit killing service sometimes. Haman, that got to kill it. David said, I'm not going to let that spirit hinder me. Here's another thing. That bitterness. I brought it out the other night. For some reason, God carried me right back to this message. Here's what I want to tell you. We have to be careful how much bitterness we have. I want to know that I can walk in any church and have a right spirit. Let me tell you something. I don't believe in this rank mess. Somebody's a better preacher than this preacher. I don't believe we're categorized in who who's, can deliver a better message. That's hogwash. That's foolish. What God's looking for is somebody to kill out that spirit, that bitterness, that jealous spirit. Oh, I don't know why, but I, I didn't get killed maybe Tuesday night, but I'm going to kill it on a Thursday night. we got to kill these jealous spirits in the house of God. Amen. I just can't like you, brother buddy. I'm a little jealous of you. Oh, they don't say it. No, they never say it, but it's what's inside. Kill it. Amen, you've got to get rid of it. Amen, I've got some more things I wrote down. Amen, I circled this. That gossiping spirit. My God. 
Woo! When I grew up, they used to have my grandparents, Uncle Junior's mom and daddy, and, and it's good to have my cousin. But they used to have the what they called the party line. I think their ring was five, the fifth ring, and you picked it up. It didn't matter if it was your fifth ring. Everybody along that line listened. Everybody else was doing. It didn't kill out. It's amazing now. Amen. That gossip spirit. Amen. Destroying, devouring one another. Kill it. Amen. God, wouldn't it be nice? Amen. To be able to destroy that spirit. Amen. My God, before you know it. Amen. Know it to true. Amen. Oh, God, kill it. I wish to God we could kill them spirits. That's taking the church. David said, I'm going to draw a line. It's got to die. I refuse to let it hinder the walk of the children of God. I refuse to let it hinder the church. You want to win souls? Amen. Kill it. Amen. David knew some things had to die. No, it sounded cruel, but David knew if I let it live, it'll control me when it gets bigger. Amen. Kill it. That addiction. Kill it. Oh, God. That fornicating spirit. Kill it. Let me tell you something. I got eyes like you other men have eyes. I got feelings like you've got feelings. I see pretty ladies like you see pretty ladies. But it's what I indulge my eyes to go beyond the view of a look. That destroys, destroys me. Amen. I respect my wife enough to know that that is my wife. What am I? And I'll tell you what I do, and you can call. I, I think they was going to listen tonight. Brother Gene Shepherd's a great friend of mine. Anytime I preach a revival that my wife can't go, if I stay at somebody's house, usually now everybody puts you in a motel. I call Brother Gene Shepherd. I said, Brother Gene, don't care what time I get there. I call Brother Gene Shepherd. I said, Brother Gene Shepherd, I'm headed to this motel room. I tell him everything around me, and I make sure that he is my accountability partner. You know why? I refuse to let the devil put me in a time of temptation that I'll lose what I have. See, I'm just one click away of letting hell grab hold of my soul. Oh, I may hide it from you, but God sees everything. God sees everything. I don't know why, but I'm going to go right back to it. David should have never. I know David. Amen. Sin with Bathsheba. Amen. You know what happened? He looked too long. Child of God, get off that internet. It'll kill you. Get off that cell phone. It'll destroy you. I've watched men of God that could preach the world down. Heaven will sit down when they preach. But a little click, a little view. Amen. I can control it. I've got a handle on it. No, you don't. Amen. If it's a sin, it's a sin. Kill it out. My God, I feel like preaching tonight. Amen. We got to shake it and awake ourselves. David said, you draw me two lines and what looks like it to develop to hinder our children. I refuse to let it live. Kill it out of your life. Amen. Kill it. I'm going to hurry. I'm going to reduce this down. David said, I've got to separate the good from the bad. not exempt from temptation I'm, 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 I never want you to feel like when a preacher's preaching he thinks he's exempt from being tried always oh, good to feel that anointing you feel like you can whip every devil in hell but then that anointing leaves and I bleed like you bleed I hurt like you hurt I said Tuesday, uh, Tuesday night how many times I thought it wasn't worth pastoring I'm leaving but then I realized I got a young man like this sitting on my pew. Brother Michael's watching what I do. Daddy, if you do it for nobody else, do it for your children. 
<laughs> Don't make your children wonder who it is when you testify in church because you live one way at the house of God and another way in that house. David knew there had to be two lines. I've been closing, and I'm, I'm closing the New Testament proved that Paul showed us three lines. And so when you, when you look at this, David was saying, I can't let this live. I know their history. You can't outwit him. When I was in the Marine Corps, we'd, we, after I got our boot camp at Paris Island, we, I had to go to Pendleton, Camp Pendleton to take training to be a diesel mechanic. And we'd go to Hollywood, California every weekend. We'd catch a bus. I've seen so many young Marines lose a whole paycheck between that, that Camp, camp Pendleton ride to, to Hollywood, which was about an hour, I believe, is what it was. And, and I remember that, that card shark, he'd say, let's play cards. Oh, man, that dude knew how to play cards. That little Marine thought, I can whip him. He'd let you beat him about four games. Then he'd say, man, let's do it double to nothing. Then he'd take it. Then, then he'd say, man, I'm, I don't have Then he'd do it again. I've watched a lot of folks that couldn't get back to the base because they give everything away. I've watched a lot of folks that should be going to heaven that give it away. I had my piano player, Aunt Virginia, is my, my wife's aunt. And Tracy, I had them sit down and write down all the names. I, this is my 25th year. I want you to write down every names of everybody that have, that have come to our church that's not going to other churches, but come to our church in the, for a year to six months. There was 250 names on that list, Brother Shannon. And I thought about how many of them. I watched one young girl sit where you're sitting. And I'll be careful at this. Decided she wanted a relationship that wasn't godly. She went from being right here shouting to the back, to missing, to she's out. Now three marriages later, she decided men don't work. So now she's got a lesbian relationship. That devil don't care who you are. All he's out to do is destroy you. In a motel across the road of 10, about 17 years ago, and I probably shouldn't have told what state or place, had a young lady come there that a preacher had messed her life up. A preacher that stood behind me many times as a young preacher said, preach it, preach it. What happened? He didn't draw the line. And he let something live. I don't know why I'm preaching this tonight. God, forgive me. Brother Shannon, I beg God to let me preach a message, bring us to our feet and shout us. But I said, God, I want the church to be ready for the rapture. We got to get ready. Amen. Just because you read Thessalonians don't mean you're going to be ready to receive that trump. We got to be right when it comes. Let's go ahead and finish this message. When you look, go to Colossians chapter. Just read real quick like with me in Colossians. When Paul was writing to the church uh, here, he wrote to the, the letter. Here's what he said. Read these verses in verse chapter 3, verse 1. He said, if ye then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, which Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth, on the earth. For ye are dead, oh, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall also appear with him in glory. So now he draws the first line. He said, mortify, kill this out. Amen. If you notice, when you read that there, the first line of verse 5 is, evil desires. Here's what it says. Mortify your members which upon the earth. Fortification. Uncleanliness. Inordinate affections. Evil concupiscence. Let me say that. We always say that's just
just uh, extended lust and just going all the way. Look it up in your strongs. It means obtaining godly, I mean worldly things. You know what the church has picked up? Too much worldliness. Too much worldly things. We better shake ourselves. Oh, I ain't got to put a label on it. You know what you put in your life that you used to not do. You know what you allow, David, to go on inside of you. Even the music you listen to. Even the movies that you're watching. You remember when you used to feel like, I couldn't listen to that. Shake yourself, child of God. Amen. Draw that line. Amen. Kill it out. Kill the desires of that world. George, we got to go to heaven. I'd rather give you a barrel too much than a teaspoon not enough. We got to make it to heaven. Amen. I want to know I'm living too close to God than too close to that world. The devil was slick. Put us a little music that you can pick it out how you want it. Never mentions Christ, never mentions the blood, but got a good beat. And sung in a lot of churches. Let me be honest with you. I like the blood and I like the name of Jesus being mentioned. I like to talk about heaven every now and then the song that we sing. Amen. I'm closing. Uh, let me just read the two lines and the third line here. He said, he said, he said, to close this verse 5, in covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake, the wrath of God come to the children of disobedience, and whom ye also walked sometimes when ye lived in them. Now, he deals with an interior side. The second line he puts inside, verse 8. But now put off these anger, wrath, malice, blaspheme, filthy communication out of your mouth. Dear God, help us. It should not be. I worked on my job. I never went to a new position at Lockheed. Lockheed was, is, is a mile circumference. They, we were the ones that built the C-5, the C-130, the F-22, the F-35. I've had my hands on all them planes. It's a huge plant. I never, I never, I, it's okay if I would have, but I never wore a shirt that says, I'm a preacher and a Christian. I made sure I dressed like a normal man dressed when he went to work like he should. And when I went in, Brother Buddy, I never talked about who I was for a while. If my, if my attitude and reputation, I wasn't going to embarrass God. But I like it when people found out you must, something's different about you. You don't listen when we cuss. You walk away from the dirty jerks, jokes. Amen. I don't care how much fun they made. When I got saved in the Marine Corps, the first time I knelt down by my bunk, they laughed at me, ridiculed me. You know what I done the next night? I knelt down by my bunk. I refused. Amen. Let me tell you, I'm not intimidated by this world. I don't have time to go to hell. I don't have time to backslide. There's another soul to win. Amen. Brother Emmanuel, well, we got too much to do for God. But God, Paul drew a line. He said, get rid of that anger. Get rid of that wrath. Amen. Don't have filthy communication. Let me tell you something. We've lost our ability to blush in this society. God, give us back a sanctified mouth that we can do what we need to do for God. Amen. I'm closing, but I have a 10 point closing. Just ask Sister Linda. I think I'm on number six. But there was a third line. Oh, God, if I could sing like Brother Bobby, I'd tear off singing right now because I like this third line matter of fact I started writing on this sticky notes of mine that song because Paul wrote on down there verse 9 and 10 lie not one another seeing that you have put off the old man and, and with his deeds and put on the new man which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him which therefore is let me read verse 12 this is the third line this is what lives 
He said, put their own as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, a humbleness of mind, meekness and long-suffering. Oh, God have mercy. There's a lot of versions of this song, but I like it. And I, so I started writing it, the word version that I, I remembered. Talks about two coats. It said two coats were before me, the old and the new. I asked my sweet Savior, what must I do? The one coat was ugly as, as, and so tattered and torn. The other was a new coat and never been worn. I tell you, amen, the best thing I ever done. I took off that old coat and I put on the new. Amen, oh, isn't that good? Amen, I'm glad today God saved me. I took off that old coat and I put on the new. Amen, child of God, you tell the devil, I'm taking it off. Amen, I'm drawing a new line. I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. My God, I could shout. Amen, I took off the old coat and I put on the new. I'm glad I'm not that old man I used to be, but I'm a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. Child of God, you shed that old coat and you put on the new and you remind that devil it was my master amen, that changed me. I refuse to die here, church. Amen. Kill them two lines and let the light of God live in your life. I'm going to close. I could preach. I have too much scripture. So I'm going to close it out. Here's what I'm going to tell you. The second verse says... The first man, first man was earthly and raised from the ground. We bore on his image the whole world around. Oh, my. The next was the Savior from heaven. So fair he gave me the new coat. You now see me wear. I took off that old coat. Oh, and I put on the new. Let me tell you the best thing that I ever did do. I took off that old coat and I put on that new. Amen, child of God. It may not make you happy, but I'm happy. I threw away that old world. I gave up all the things of that life. Amen, my God, it's been good. Amen, better than heaven on earth. And let us have heaven now. God, I think that God is all we need. Come on, sister, brother Bobby, sister Stephanie. Amen. I, I'm, I'm not, I, could, I could go a lot of places. You got to make up your mind. Thirteen weeks, Paris Island. I got another marine or two in here. You never put that uniform on. For thirteen weeks, you're called a scum. You're called a dirt bag. That's about as good much as I can tell you. What they don't call you. But the day they tell you, you've now earned the right to be a United States Marine. You are gone. I, my sister, I don't know if she's probably too young to remember, but you've heard me say it. You had to weigh 120 pounds to get in the Marine Corps. I gained to 121. When I got in the Marine Corps, Joyce can tell you she come to see me scared her to death. I gained up 20-something pounds. Buddy, I didn't have a Shannon Connors muscles, but I had some muscles because I was a new man. I didn't walk like I used to walk. I didn't talk like I used to talk. I wasn't intimidated no more. They used to tell us, you shake that man's hand, you look him in the eyes. I used to have to look up for most of you. But I'm looking at devil tonight. You're not going to have my family. You're not having my home. 
you're not having my children. Dear God. I hate, I, I read today, and it's a sad story. Popped up on my cell phone. There's a man that he had eight children. Some of you may have read it. He had asked this man, he kept blowing smoke at his family. He said, Quit blowing smoke in my family's face. Sad tragedy happened. He got in his vehicle and the family got in theirs. He hit it, killed the mama. Very sad. I mean, I know that man's tr broken hearted tonight, but you know what he was saying? Hey, Amen. You're not going to mistreat my family. This is my family. Here's what I want to tell you, church, and I'm close. I stand. If you could understand God. Hey, Amen. As, as, again, give us this. Oh, my God. Let me read that third verse. And I may be wrong, Brother Bobby can correct me after church. It said, now this coat is suited for me. It keeps me so, so warm. It's good in the winter, and it's good in the storms. Woo! Hallelujah. My God, I'm about to shout. Woo! Amen, Sister Lynn. I'm about to feel your shout. Hallelujah. Amen. I know you're not feeling what I'm feeling, but I thank God when I put on this new coat, I can handle the cold times. I can handle the dry times. I can handle the stormy kinds because I'm clothed by the Holy Ghost. My God, that's enough to shout over. Amen. I've been clothed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Church, you're sanctified. You're filled with that Holy Ghost. Amen. Kill them two lines and let God raise us up to live in the authority of Jesus Christ in our life. We'll give an altar call. Amen. Put this down the last little line. Devil, you get this straight. It's either me or you, and it's not going to be me. I'm going to win this thing. I'm not boasting in myself. Holy Ghost. Oh, God. I like when I speak in tongues. That's good. That's the evidence. But I like it when I face that devil in a trial and I walk right through it because I'm covered. My God, church, that's worth shouting over. We're not done. Hell's not winning this thing. Don't believe CNN. They're lying. Amen. Oh, God, don't get a hold. As Trump would say, fake news. Get a hold of the real news. Get a hold of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've been clothed. You're a new man in Christ Jesus. I don't care your age. If you're a child of God, you're a new man inside this earthen vessel. Amen. As Paul wrote in Corinthians 4 and 7, inside this earthen vessel, is a treasure. My God, that's enough to shout over. I've got a treasure. I'm not going under. Draw your lines. Kill out anger. Kill out lust. Kill out envy. And tell God I'm going all the way because I'm putting on the new coat. It's easier to shout here, but it's when we face that world. We better make up our mind. There's somebody tonight, but God would have changed my message is to draw some lines and kill some things out. Preachers, we don't have time to get jealous of each other. I was just thrilled watching Sister Linda shout around this place this morning as if I'd have been shouting. I got a friend of mine, he'll let me kill some big deer. And he gets as happy, you would think he killed that deer. Not a jealous bone in his body. I don't know that I'd let him do my deer that way. But he's so thrilled. He said, man, I'm glad you was able to kill this deer. You know what he's saying? I feel part of it. We're part of the kingdom of God. 
Young people, can I talk to you? I'm not going to make it sound easy, but it's worth it. Be careful at your relationships. I know this isn't a youth meeting, but I want to say, let's be careful of our relationships. I can handle her. I can handle him. I'll get them in church and they'll get saved. That's not how it works. God said not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So be careful with your relationships. See, this isn't a game. The devil don't mind you sitting on a pew to the rapture as long as you never put the coat on. Brother Burke Clinton did, and I've heard him say it on CDs before. He could say it. See, God told him one time, a small percentage that was going in his church. That scared me to death. I thought, God, I want to know that I'm ready. I don't want to ever put on a facade. I don't want to learn how to preach. I want to learn how to live, deliver it. I want to depend on God to the day I die. Church, we're too close. Let me touch on one thing. That spirit of pornography is eating our churches alive. You can't justify it. She's not yours to have. I don't know why, but I'm closing with this. 27% they say now, and that's in 2000, statistics may be higher now, even ladies in, in, the, in, the, in church are pondering in pornography. It's not worth it. Young men, don't ruin your life. The same part of your brain that's connected to cocaine and drugs is the same part of your brain that gets connected to pornography and it goes around your mind. I've seen so much of that filth in the Marine Corps. I, and I wouldn't even really, I didn't even pray through to my, my just the middle ways of my, my duty. But I made my mind and said, God, if you'll help me, never let that become one of my weaknesses. Got sick of it. Get sick of that line. Kill it out. Brother Shane, it sounds crude. It's going to be worth it. I want to give a general altar call. I have done that every night. Only reason, I don't, I, not to embarrass anybody. I, and here's what I do at my church, and I'm going to do it tonight. Whether you're a preacher in this church or you're a visiting pastor or preacher, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you, if you'll be the first out of the, the, the pew, to come pray in these altars. Amen. Get ready to pray for these coming. I want the preachers to come first, if you don't mind.